Welcome to the conversation. I'm Anna Kasparian, and I'm delighted to have a wonderful guest on today who has been planning and organizing for something that many people across the country have been worried about possible attempts by the Trump administration to essentially orchestrate a coup in the United States following the general election. Joshua Con Russell is someone you may have heard of because of his organizing. He's the executive director of the Wildfire Project, and he's a social movement facilitator and has trained thousands of people across the globe. Joshua, thank you for joining us. So grateful to be here, Anna. So you have decided to begin organizing, which I'm beyond grateful for, in the event that Trump orchestrates a coup. Um, and so I think it makes sense to start off this conversation by discussing what you mean by a coup. Sure, so we think of a coup as if the government, number one, stops counting all the votes. Number two, declares a winner who didn't get the most votes. Or number three, allows someone to stay in power who didn't win the election. Which seems simple, but it's already happened here. It happened in 2000 <laughs> when they were able to punt it to the Supreme Court. and so. Part of what I'm, I'm part of a network of nonviolent direct action trainers and social movement strategists who come out of a variety of movements from, you know, OGs in the civil rights struggle, including there's people in our group who are the coordinators of Mississippi Freedom Summer in 1964, to the labor movements, to the climate movement. And in August, when Trump started saying that he wasn't gonna leave office. We started to see the writing on the wall and began a project called Choose Democracy to prepare people to understand that yes, it can happen here. And also there's a strategy that we can build around it. Yeah, so I love, I love that you're Encouraging people to take action, and you're organizing people to do it because, you know, since you referenced 2000, that election was stolen, and it was naive to kind of sit back and think that the Democratic Party would do something about it. And so, this is really a people-powered effort to mitigate any type or stop any attempt by Trump to essentially steal the election or refuse to leave office. And so, walk me through what the strategy is. Sure. So. It starts from a framework of what we call non-compliance. Actually, let me take a step back and let you know what we've been doing so far, which is that up until the election, the approach has been what's called civil engagement, which a lot of groups are doing. So that's you know voting, getting out the vote, including there's a lot of groups around the country who are doing de-escalation trainings to go to the polls to in case there are militia people or proud boys trying to intimidate people from voting, things like that, right? And so we're quickly coming into the next phase that's not just around engagement. And all of these hundreds of organizations, thousands of organizations actually who are doing that are starting to pivot to anticipate where we might need an election arc. And the strategy of non-compliance, first of all, in our trainings, we do a lot of historical case studies. We talk about coups all around the world. The reason why we use the language of a coup is not to invoke, like we're not trying to be hyperbolic. We're not trying to imagine that there's tanks gonna be rolling in the streets or anything like that. Instead, we're trying to have precision that there's a dynamic at play which is that there is essentially a contest for legitimacy. And we can learn from coups in the past, whether that is Thailand in 1992, Argentina in 1987, Germany in 1920. There's a lot of other case studies we go through. And the basic way that we view power 
we don't see, there's a theory of power behind the strategy, which is that we don't see power as sort of resting independently in the hands of politicians or business leaders. Instead, a government is like, uh, like let's say it's like a roof, right? And the roof is held up by several pillars of society. That power actually is held from below. It's people need to consent to and participate in society in order for the society to function. So those pillars that hold up the roof of a government or of a regime are the media, its capital, its labor, it's the military, it's the police, it's politicians, it's consumers, right? And so following from that, some of those pillars, regular people can have some influence over, and some of those pillars we don't have any impact on. So the strategy is we target the pillars that we have some influence over, and we remove their consent from the governing administration. And if you pull out enough pillars or weaken enough pillars, the roof just falls down, right? It needs the support of those things. So what it is about is withdrawing our consent in the same way, it's like the logic of a strike. So in the same way that workers remove their labor from the system so the system cannot function. That's where they find their power. The same thing works in many other areas of society. So that's that's the basis of the strategy. I can talk a little bit more about what it looks like moving forward, but I'll, I'll pause there. So, you know, the heart of the strategy, you know, if if it escalates to the point where um, it's clear that there's a coup happening, um, the heart of the strategy is a general strike, uh, essentially, uh, refusing to work, ensuring that nothing is functioning until democracy is restored. And I think that's a, I mean, I love that you're pointing to all these historical references of how coups were successfully, you know, prevented because you can do something. You know, if you're an average American, you shouldn't feel powerless. You shouldn't just assume that the system is the way it is. I mean, part of my worry, Joshua, is with the three Supreme Court justices who were successfully appointed by Donald Trump, the outcome of the election, even if it's absolutely fraudulent, illegitimate, it's clearly a coup, it'll have this veil of legitimacy. And so I'm really curious you know, how, how we can effectively respond to that. Because there will be efforts to delegitimize the people who are organizing right now, the people who are gonna take action until our democracy is restored. And so how do we fight back against those narratives? Yeah, I, I love how you frame that, Anna, because the thing that the coup plotters always want is for us to believe that we don't have agency. They want us to sit back and bite our nails, looking at the courts, thinking that they will resolve it. And the reality is that no matter the chaos that could ensue. And to be clear, we're not saying a coup is definitely going to happen. What we're saying is the likelihood is clear enough that we need to start preparing and to start helping people understand the dynamics of what's at play. And when you're in a contest for legitimacy, so I spent my whole life as an activist and I, for example, have been loathed at the idea that the Democrats are constantly tacking towards and trying to appeal towards like some mythologized center instead of you know, focusing on building their progressive base. This is a moment actually where I need to step out of that mindset, where we actually are 
trying to push an uncertain center off the fence because all of the tactics that, that fit into this strategy are about basically peeling off defectors, helping people refuse illegitimate orders, refuse orders to whether that's toss out ballots, stop votes from being counted, regardless at what stage of government it is to strengthen their backbones, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, our belief is that if we move into typical activist mode and we just protest, if we just protest Trump, that's not gonna do anything. That's right. just going to further the existing narrative of polarization. Trump space is gonna be out protesting. The left is gonna be out protesting. It's it, when, coups are, when, when coup resistance is successful, they don't vilify the leader that's trying to take power. They champion democracy. Like when Argentina defeated the last coup, they had coups from 1930 to 1987. When they finally defeated it, they were in the streets chanting Viva Argentina. You know, they were chanting long live democracy. And then when they defeated that coup, through a series of non-compliance tactics, it actually built the foundation upon which they could start to organize for a deeper democracy, which is my hope, but I'm getting ahead of myself, I know. So <laughs> um, this is what it actually looks like in practice. This is what I mean. So, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I love it. I love I love the strategy and I love that you made that, um, you differentiated uh, between protests, which of course protests are important. I'm, you know, neither one of us are trying to minimize that. But this is a, a tactical approach that essentially puts, you know, capital in jeopardy and exactly. money talks, you know? And so exactly. I think it's it's a really, it's a smart strategy. But what, what comes along with that is, um, you know, People have material needs, and I have no doubt that our democracy is important to everyone. And and you know, people are going to do what it takes to avoid Donald Trump essentially stealing this election if he attempts to do it. But my question is, you know, how do we communicate to people who are worried about a further decline of their material needs? Yeah, let me let me describe the escalation arc because at each yeah. step of the way, there's ways that we can take care of each other's needs. I and love that. We're not imagining that we're jumping to a general strike. We're not even sure, you know, the the, the language of a general strike. We, we're talking about rolling strikes. We, we don't need to have every sector of society shutting down in order to pull this off. Capital is one of those pillars, but there's several kinds of pillars. So even if you're not a worker in a union, but I'll talk a little bit later about labor, um, you have a role to play. And that's, that's really our message. We've been training thousands and thousands of people. We're doing trainings every other day. Uh, each training has a couple thousand people on our website. We're also plugging people into different actions. And so the first, phase that we've been in has been about strengthening election officials backbones. And so that's a really easy ask. That's things like, you know, there's a group called Protect Our Election that's been doing letter writing campaigns to election officials. And normally, I'm not a big fan of petitions or letter writing campaigns. But what we're trying to do is create a groundswell of support so that if those officials get extra legal orders, right? Or if there is confusing chaos with, with conflicting narratives about the legitimacy of ballots, that they can stand on the right side of democracy and know that there's people supporting them. So that's kind of the phase that we've been in. Another phase is Choose Democracy, the organization that we've been building has had a pledge. And the pledge is 
that well up until now number one we're going to vote number two that in addition to that we will refuse to accept the election results if a winner is declared before counting all the votes number three we will nonviolently take to the streets if a coup is attempted and number four if it gets there we will shut down the country if necessary so there's an escalation arc built into it and we've been the pledge is not just an abstract like we feel good because we're making a pledge it's an organizing tool and mm -hmm. so we've had now uh, over 35,000 people signed the pledge and, and many of those people are using it as a tool to pressure politicians to sign it so that they can have something to hold them to account in the chaos that could ensue, right? And so that's one example of one of those pillars is the legitimizing force of politicians and ways to push them off the fence, right? So then the next phase is on November 4th, there's gonna be rallies all over the country. 500 have been planned by a group called Protect the Results. And so in those rallies, it's gonna be about counting every vote, right? So it's again, building this groundswell of support. Then we enter into this non-compliance phase and from that phase, we're going to be withdrawing our participation. So what that looks like isn't just sort of like, well, I'll talk about labor first and then I'll talk about the other things. We're really excited and encouraged by all of the different unions who've gotten involved. So the Rochester AFL-CIO Central Labor Council just declared that they're going to go on strike and call on all of the other affiliates in the AFL-CIO to do the same. Just their one local represents 70,000 workers. The oh, Detroit wow. Postal Workers have been printing up our pledge with official union letterhead. The National Union of Healthcare Workers has also made a similar kind of commitment. The Mass Massachusetts or the Western Mass area, what are they called? Labor Federation has also made a pledge to strike. The Seattle Educator Association has made a similar pledge, the Emergency Workplace Organizing Committee. So this is really happening. But in addition, even if you're not a part of a union in this phase, and to be clear, what that looks like is wildcat strikes. We're calling them rolling strikes rather than a general strike. Mm -hmm. And it's about shutting down key parts of society and regular people have a role to play. So there's a lot of groups like Sunrise and groups like the Dream Defenders are coordinating national youth strikes, for example. We are also talking about consumer strikes. So that's basically like a generalized boycott where if this escalates to the point where we need to shut down the country, that during the holiday season, if we refuse through withdrawing our purchasing power as just regular consumers, that puts capital in a position where they have to get off the fence and they are making calculations based on their money as well, right? So there's a bunch of different points or it could look like not just withdrawing our compliance, but using nonviolent direct action through things like rolling blockades of shutting down corporations, right? Including shutting down media corporations if they're carrying media narratives that are anti-democratic, for example. And so, at each stage, and I'll say one other piece, one other key pillar is government workers, right? And mm -hmm. so, so for example, in 1920, when there was an attempted coup, they marched on the Capitol, they had all these institutions on their side. All of the government workers were like, we're out, we're done, we're not carrying out the orders of the coup plotters. And they had no one to type up their manifesto, the newspapers wouldn't print it. And so there's a group called Shutdown DC, which it has the logistical capability through direct action to shut down Washington DC. They've been organizing groups called Feds for Democracy, another group called Democracy Kitchen that are organizing long-term career federal workers to resist extra legal orders as well. And so 
part of our proposition is that if it escalates to this point, the tectonic shifts that can happen are so dramatic that when there's a template in place, it's easy for lots more groups to get on board. And we've seen even in the last week, hundreds of thousands of people moving in line with this strategy. And the great thing about it is you can participate in it and we need everyone to participate in it, regardless of station in life. And that's one of the keys that we've learned. There's a couple keys from successful coup resistance. One is that it needs widespread participation. We're not marginal. We're not mobilizing some like left margin that is self-righteous and whatever. We're getting everyone and your mom involved. And number two, it needs to have nonviolent discipline in order to create the conditions under which we can build, we can win that contest for legitimacy. Yeah, I, I love it. Part of part of the messaging, um, you know, to get people on board is to, you know. Because there's gonna be quite a bit of disinformation, right? I mean, there's disinformation right now in regard to mail-in ballots, what's actually happening at the post office, what Trump is really up to. I mean, there's disinformation about the Bidens, like nonstop. And so I love that you're approaching this from a nonpartisan perspective because I agree with you. This isn't about partisanship. This is about Maintaining and protecting what's left of our democratic process, and that's incredibly important. But is part of the strategy to also counteract the disinformation that comes from these media outlets as well? I know you talked about shutting them down, but you really need the people working at those organizations to agree to shut them down. So, what's the what's the strategy in regard to that information or disinformation? Well, there's a lot of groups, including Protect the Results, including an organization called Hold the Line, that's trying to adjudicate what is accurate information or not. And at least folks who sign up on our list, we're trying to be very clear and cautious. There's also a great website that we work with called isthisacoup.com that mm-hmm. has the clear red lines that are crossed around that and it i mean i'm not i mean it's going to be messy it's going to be confusing for a lot of people and ultimately part of what we're trying to do is raise the stakes for going along and also i, I the one of the other things i want to say is in the way this is going to be punted to the courts regardless like the trump administration's been building legal machinery for this for a year the courts are not a political bodies the right. way they rule is going to be very different depend on depending on the margin of victory it's going to be very different based on the level of activation that people in society had so when the supreme court made its ruling in 2000 to give the election to george w bush even though after the recount happened later it looked like it really went to gore they knew that all of society would go along with their ruling. If society is shut down, they're gonna make a very different calculation about how far they can push it. And so part of the strategy is through all of the chaos, we're raising the costs to violate democratic norms. We're making it easier for people at all levels of all institutions to defect. And that is, that's the overall strategy that can be applied even through a chaotic situation where there is disinformation, where it's confusing for people, etc. We're trying to actually have a pretty, we have a pretty sober approach. We're not, you know, crying coup at every. We think, for example, it's likely that Trump is going to try to declare victory no matter what happens on election mm-hmm. day. That itself does not constitute a coup. What constitutes a coup is does the machinery of the government go along with it, right? It's not about tweets, it's about are they stopping the counting of ballots, for example? Are they filling up the courts with all kinds of injunctions, for example? So we're trying to also. Uh, show the media that there are 
hundreds of thousands of people in an organized way that are aligned around some red lines and ready to be clear and move strategically, not just aimlessly protest. And instead have clear targets with clear goals where you can participate based on who you are. And so the best way to plug in is to go to choosedemocracy.us. We have training manuals, we're doing trainings that you can move into that are over Zoom. And we're doing, we're helping people build action plans, build action groups. You don't have to have had any experience with this whatsoever. It's COVID minded, it's de-escalation oriented. It's aware that the right wing is trying to mobilize violence against us. It's rooted in the experience that a lot of us have had in social movements, not just for the last 20 years, like which is my experience, but people who you know, were working in the civil rights movement facing Ku Klux Klan violence, facing police violence. And so uh, there, there is a plan in place, but in order for it to work, we need to win a majority of society to participate in it, and people need to get involved in order to make it work. You know, the the de-escalation training is so, so important. Um, I went through some of it uh, when we went to go cover the Democratic primary debates in Miami because we knew there were gonna be right wingers there who were gonna try to harass us and and you know uh, provoke us. And I remember thinking, like, I don't want to do the de-escalation training, right? If they're gonna come for me, I'm gonna come for them. <laughs> but no, it's actually so important because one of the insane people who came after us was Laura Loomer. And she showed up with like one of those, you know, like bullhorn things and was like in my ear screaming nonsense. And we just ignored her the entire time. And she looked like, well, exactly what she is, a lunatic. And it didn't escalate, you know? And so you it's so important to go through that training and please everyone check out that website, choosedemocracy.us. The is this a coup meter is on there. I was on the website earlier today and I think it's so helpful. And you can sign up, you can take the pledge. I think this is really well thought out, Joshua, and I'm so grateful that you know you're taking the time to share the details with our audience and people power. I mean, anytime real change happens in any society, it's not it's not fueled by elites and government. It's done by people who who demand change and who demand action. And so, Joshua, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm optimistic that we, if we don't shy away from this fight, not only can we win, but in the process actually revitalize our institutions and fully take our democracy back, not just have to defend the ground we stand on right now. No, I agree with you. Once people understand the kind of power they really have, I think amazing things can happen in this country.